Miss the show? We have more than 500 hours of archived editions of TV Confidential available on demand as digital downloads. For more information, go to shop.tvconfidential.net. Hi, this is Lee Goldberg, and you're listening to TV Confidential with Ed Roberts. Ed Roberts with a reminder that we will play more of our conversation with Jeffrey Mark about Ella Fitzgerald later on in this hour. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you follow us on Facebook by now, you are probably aware of the passing of Paul Green. Paul Green, film and TV historian, author of several books, including biographies of Roy Huggins, Jennifer Jones, Jeffrey Hunter, and Pete Duell, and an excellent behind-the-scenes history of television's The Virginian. Paul Green passed away Sunday, January 17th at the age of 65. Paul Green was a frequent guest on TV Confidential over the past 13 years. He was a skilled biographer who brought to life all of the various figures in his books and gave us each an understanding of who they were as people. This is particularly true with his biography of actor Pete Duell. And with that in mind, to honor Paul's memory, we thought we would replay a conversation with Paul Green that originally aired in December 2015 on TV Confidential, in which we spoke about the life and career of Pete Duell. At the time this interview originally aired, Paul had just released the second edition of Pete Duell, a biography. The second edition included a brand new foreword by actress Belinda J. Montgomery, as well as new information about Duell's life and the impact that his death continues to have on his many fans throughout the world. As we pick up the conversation, we said to Paul Green, It is hard not to talk about Pete Duell without talking about his suicide or the fact that his suicide shocked so many people. And uh, that, that is one of the things that Belinda Montgomery talks about in her foreword. Uh, yeah, she actually um, had uh, lunch with Pete Jewell on his final day of his life, uh, final day of filming The Biggest Game in the West, which actually ended up being an episode that had to be refilmed when Roger Davis took over. Uh, it's one of the great frustrations to many fans and to me as well that um, Roy Huggins once had um, in an interview, I think it was an interview with you, I believe um, it was. <laughs> he had the, uh, the dailies to that episode. Yeah. And him and Joe Swirling, who uh, I've, I've talked to as well, um, both say that was some of um, Pete Jill's best work because it seemed to be on a manic high, they were saying, and uh, the feel that maybe when he ended his life, he just plummeted to one of those lows. And um, it's just frustrating that that footage... Um, them dailies have been lost somewhere. Someone has them somewhere. I believe Roy said that when I talked to him about that, this and this is going back 20 years. I mean, Roy said he had them. Roy's obviously gone since then. Did the Huggins family find them? Yeah, yeah. I asked. I asked John, who is the son I was in contact with the, the most, because he was the one who had all of Huggins' memoir material. So he he had um, access to a lot of his father's material. Um, after his death, but there was no footage of that episode amongst his belongings. I've asked Catherine, 
Price, or Catherine Crawford's Price, Catherine Huggins' Price. <laughs> uh, I asked her, and she has no knowledge of it, and I asked Frank Price, and he has no knowledge of it. And non, uh, it, it, It's just... Um, I heard some years ago that it was loaned out to um, a fan somewhere. This was before the days where the internet was taken off, and it got lost in transit somewhere. So um, it's one of those mysteries, and it would just—it would just be so good to have some footage of his final work because he—he he had actually been working on that quite a few days. It was only two days, I think, left of filming, so the majority of that was finished. Um, obviously, they had to loop the soundtrack and stuff, but you would have—you would have um, a lot of um, footage there, and um, um, it's annoying because the, the the episode that he ended, that that most people are familiar with. Um, was looped the final episode. It was looped by Paul Free. Yeah, Paul Free's voice actor. After right? that episode, yeah. And uh, I watched that um, recently again while I was um, updating my book, and um, I was amazed at how I was able to see where his voice was looped. And um, I've watched that many episodes, and I haven't really picked up on it before until until I actually took a, a great attention to notice the scenes and. A great deal. All the outside scenes were mainly just looped. And now there is, um, before, he, on the night that he died, um, he did, he was called back to the studio to do some looping on that episode. So um, it's interesting to think, to know what part of that episode he looped. And I was looking at all the outdoor scenes, and there's one scene that his voice. Uh, whereas all the rest of Paul Freeze mainly. One scene is his voice, and I'm pretty certain that would have been the very last work that Pete Jewell worked on. The the other, uh, you used the word annoying, and I it, it certainly, I certainly feel that way as a fan of Alias Smith and Jones. If something like that were to happen today, if the star of a major network show took his life in the middle of the season, uh, if that were to happen today, the I, I think there's no question the network not only would have suspended production, if not end the show, but there would have been a lot more care in recasting the character or, or, or continuing the show, and most likely they would continue it by bringing in a new character. That didn't happen with Alias Smith and Jones. No, I talked to... Um Price about that, and he, he said it. it and um, and Roy Huckins does mention it. There was just under great, great pressure from ABC to fulfil the contract. And uh, as you know, Roy wanted to close down production. Yeah. It was his intention. He, he had every intention. Um, but AB, the, the terms of the ABC contract meant they had to fulfil the contract, and they didn't have time really to recast Hannibal Hayes as another character because there was. Um, if, it, if this happened between seasons, they may have been able to do something, but it was in the middle of it was near the end of filming of a show, yeah. and that, that show then had to be to to be refilmed from the start. You know, all the P. Jewel scenes. It could keep the Ben Murphy scenes, but um, it, but a lot of those had to be reshot where he was in ca on camera together with P. Jewel because now he was on camera with Roger Davis. So um, the pressure just to complete that episode was immense. 
So and um, so, so basically, they didn't have time to really think about these things. I mean, I would have, I would have liked. I've mentioned this before. I would have liked, and I think it would have been like um, a decent thing to do, just to acknowledge in memoriam of Pete Jewell at the end of the episode. Yeah, that that would definitely that that would definitely have happened today. But did, yeah. but but I forgot they didn't even do that. It was just no, they didn't even do that. No, it's like they just sort of. Uh, blanked him out as though he never existed and I just uh, but, but footage remained of Pete Jewell uh, in the opening um, in the opening title sequences because there's a scene where uh, the blow out the, the, the dragging the safe from the train and it's obvious from the back of Pete Jewell on the horse dragging the train from the safe well we've said we've, we've said this before and this was certainly this is certainly the case with Universal back in the 1970s they were nothing if not corporate and as Roy himself said at, uh, when I talked to him, and as you quote him in Pete Dula biography, they were very cold, universal. Yeah. Basically, it was just business as usual. Um, the, the death of Pete Dula was um, more of a distraction than a personal... Um, it's, you know, it's not a matter of mourning is lost. It's a matter of... Were, what do we do now to fulfil this contract? They didn't have any. They were interested in money because um, Frank Price has told me um, in the first edition of the book that um, he saw Pete Jewell's suicide as an act of aggression against the studio. So in a way, it was him saying, "Screw the lot of you," and that was his two fingers up at the studio system for not letting out, not letting him out of his contract. Well, as we said in our open, Pete was nothing if not unpredictable and had a few demons inside him, which, which unfortunately he never resolved. We are talking to Paul Green. Paul's books on film and television include Pete Duell, a biography, uh, the story of Pete's life through the people who knew him best, his family members, and close personal friends. Pete Duell, a biography, features more than 60 photographs that have never been published before, Plus was recently updated with a new forward by actress Belinda Montgomery. Pete Dula biography and all of Paul's books are available through McFarlandPub.com, Amazon.com, TheVirginianTV.WordPress.com, and wherever books are sold online. You have worked on this book off and on, both with the first edition and with the revised second edition. You worked on the story of Pete Duell's life off and on uh, over a period of 20 years. What first interested you in Pete's story, Paul? Um, uh, well, I'll be, I'll be truthful. and It was his death that, um, that I found totally frustrating. Um, um, baff baffling, I'd say, more than frustrating. Baffling. And um, So there I am as a 16-year-old kid in, in England, a fan of these. Um, TV shows. I would. I'd been a big fan of the Virginian. Um, uh, that that was the, the major uh, western that I was a fan of. And then Ailey Smith and Jones came along, and um, the the pilot episode featured James Drury and Jeanette Nolan, two stars of the Virginian at the time. Mm -hmm. And I could see then that this was obviously the start of a new era where the Virginian was fading out, and Ailey Smith and Jones was was fading in and um, and so there was like melding the two by in having the having the stars of one show into the you know introducing it in the pilot of another show and then i saw frank price's name who had done the virginian and then he was he was on the uh, as the executive on the pilot 
and so I thought, well, yeah, this is um, the start of a of a new era. So I became interested in Ailey Smith and Jones because I just saw it really as a follow-on from the Virginian. And and the the pilot episode was seventy five minutes, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a seventy five minute show. Like <laughs> that, that interests me a lot. Yeah. And uh, I was really disappointed when it ended up being a fifty minute um, weekly TV show because um, the production values of the TV show were never as high as the pilot. Because I was quite impressed by the pilot, and that pilot still shown today. Um, I watched it again a, a few weeks ago on one of the cable stations, and it still holds up. It's uh, it's got a nice light feel to it, and it's it's amusing. And uh, then uh, then the weekly series came along, which seemed to be a bit heavier in tone, a bit more serious. You're listening to a conversation with film and television historian Paul Green that originally aired in December 2015 on TV Confidential. Paul Green passed away Sunday, January 17th at the age of 65. Paul's books on film and television include biographies of Roy Huggins, Jennifer Jones, Jeffrey Hunter, and Pete Duell. At the time this conversation was recorded, Paul had just updated Pete Duell, a biography with new information about Pete's life and the impact his death continues to have on his fans. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Paul, what are some of the new revelations about Pete's life that are in the second edition of Pete Dola Biography? I gave the fans a voice. I, I thought that was vital that give them a voice because they have actually kept his memory alive um, since um, his death. And perhaps um, it's easy to say, well, Pete's work, Pete's work speaks for itself. But without, without fandom, your work can quite easily just be ignored. Fans are vital in keeping work alive. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I gave them some of the stories about how his, how his death affected them. And uh, it was interesting that um, a lot of them um, reflected the turmoil in, in their lives at the time. These were like 13, 14-year-old girls. Mm -hmm. Exclusively, it seems, girls were affected. I haven't come across one man who has actually um, approached me with a story about how Pete's Duel affected me. I'm sure, I'm sure there are men out there, but they're, they're not very, they're not out there in fandom. Well, you had, well, because, because and this kind of touches on what we talked about in our previous segment, because it had that, at least the pilot had that Butch Cassidy sense of you know young Turks and young long-haired outlaws. So you you had both with Pete Duell and Ben Murphy. It's almost you had sort of a teen magazine appeal to that show, which is why it which is why it affected young female fans of the show. I know my sisters. I have a lot. Of, I have seven sisters, and you know many of them were were affected by the death of Pete Duell in 1971. Yeah, I mean obviously the the guys were affected and that they were shocked by it, but the, the females seem to have been infected in a much deeper way. They seem to have taken, a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them that I spoke to took it more personally. Um, one girl um, story, um, um, April, um, she told me her story of um, how a few years before Pete Jewell's death, her own mother had committed suicide. And um, she reacted to her mother's death with a, like an emotional indifference um, because her mother had been quite cold and depressed and distant. And so when her own mother died, 
um, she she didn't have this emo emotional outpouring of grief. But when Pete Jewell died, she had an emotional outpouring of grief. And so his death made her then come to terms with her own mother's death. It reflected on her own mother's death. So the grief she felt for Pete Jewell's death was also the grief she felt for her mother's death. And it only found a voice through this this uh, through Pete Jewell's death, which I found quite interesting in that um, it was like a conduit for her emotions to come flooding out. And and so this sublimated emotion has it, 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 occurred in quite a few of these stories where these girls have an under, underlying personal problems in the family or uh, at school or whatever, and each grief actually acts as a, a relief valve for a lot of emotion that's underlying in their own personal lives. Uh, what are some other uh, new topics that you cover in the second edition? There's a guy called Jack Howell, and um, he was Peter's friend at Penfield um, High, and his father was the principal of Penfield High. And so, because his father was a principal, they used to call him the Big Bad Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack Howell, being his principal son, Pete Jill ended up calling him Wolfie. <laughs> so, uh, I've got, it's, it's got letters um, that he let me um, publish um, from Pete um, throughout his Penfield school, going all the way through to Liberty, uh, to um, St. Lawrence University, and all the way through to Love on a Rooftop. And um, he continually calls him Wolfie in the in the letters, which is quite endearing. And um, so he, he paints a picture of um, of Pete Jewell from a first-hand experience. And this was Pete Jewell was um, he was very active in school. He was on all sorts of um, committees and um, and all, you know very active in sports and everything. He wasn't he wasn't one of these kids at school who was um, was wasn't involved you know he wasn't a sour rebel type who says oh i'm not doing that i'm not doing that he was involved in everything he was uh, almost like a model student in a way and then um in 1958 he had this um this bad car accident um during his freshman year at um, st lawrence university uh he went head first through the windshield after two cars collided head on and he, he had to have um, surgery on his face and um, his sister told me he almost bit off his tongue. So four weeks into the hospital, he was four weeks in hospital recovering from a broken pelvis. Now this pelvis caused a lot of problems for him later on in life, and so it was uncomfortable for him riding a, a horse, for example. And um, that some of, some of the surgeons predicted that um, in later life he, he could have had very very serious problems with that pelvis. Now Charlie Sipple was the driver of the car and he just had a bad knee injury from it. And I found out that this Charlie Sipple died in 2012 in Lovingston, Virginia. Now, that, I, when I got married, we went to try and get a marriage license at Lovingston, Virginia. <laughs> um, I had no idea that one of Pete Buell's close friends lived at Lovingston, Virginia. <laughs> I found out after he died, it is. which is <laughs> a bit of a frustration. Author Paul Green from a conversation that originally aired in December 2015 on TV Confidential. Paul Green passed away Sunday, January 17th at the age of 65. Paul's biographies on Pete Duell, Jennifer Jones, Jeffrey Hunter, and Roy Huggins are available through McFarland Pub.
Virginian.com, as is his excellent history of the Virginian and his Encyclopedia of Weird Westerns, his Encyclopedia of Weird War Stories, and Green's Guide to TV, Movie, and Comic Book Annuals. We send our condolences to Paul's family members, friends, loved ones, and followers. We'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.